At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we did. Government is the problem. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a liberal and a conservative walk into a bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal. My name's Tim. I'm a conservative. Thank you so much for joining us. We're wishing you the merriest, the happiest, the awesomest of New Year's. We're excited to be back. Sorry for the long delay, but, you know, there was that whole Christmas thing. We figured we'd, you know, go do the family stuff and... Celebrate the birth of Christ. Exactly. Celebrate the birth of Christ and... In my case, go hang around all of Tim and our sister's rats and allow them to give me diseases so I could miss a few days of work. That was a lot of fun. Hey, you're welcome. Um, yes, yes. I think next year we have a can we can we do a can we do a no children allowed Christmas? Is that is that possible? We can't do that, can we? No, I think that's against the rules. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I, I guess mom and dad are probably a little too old for the whole Santa Claus thing, huh? Yeah. Right. Fair enough. Uh, so <laughs> anyhow, uh, we're back. We're excited tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, uh, well, you know, we're going to get a new president in like two weeks. So we're going to talk about some of the stuff he's been up to and more specifically the uh, all the stuff with Russia. We've missed a lot. There's actually been quite a bit going on for a holiday season. Uh, some fun stuff with Israel and the U.N., interesting stuff in North Carolina and Kentucky and uh, some predictions for 2017. Uh, how are you, friend? I'm good. I was also sick, but have now recovered, and I'm looking forward to 2017, seeing what happens after January 20th. I know. So exciting. Chills. So you know they've put off the they they've put off the governor's inauguration, uh, but it's because of a snowstorm, not because the Republicans are objecting again. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, they had all the stuff planned for this weekend, and they've they've canceled all of it. <laughs> so maybe not. I think there were a couple of smaller events that are still going on, but uh, yeah, they've had to put the, put the whole thing off while the whole state goes on on an emergency. So uh, it's it's all it's all happening right now inside my house. I can you can see the little icicles forming on the on the power lines and all that jazz. It's gonna be a good weekend where I have nothing to do. So uh, all right, well, starting off today. Uh, Sort of, there's been this culmination of something we haven't really talked a whole lot about, but uh, over the last two or three weeks, there's been increasing pushes from the intelligence community about uh, about the Russia's hacking of the election, and I think pretty much everyone at this stage agrees that Russia tried to influence the election. They, whether or not they wanted influence in favor of Donald Trump or not. It, to me, is a little bit incidental. I think the the main point is that they put a concerted effort, believing that they could have an effect on the U.S. election, and it was orchestrated according to three intelligence agencies that coming out today, orchestrated by Vladimir Putin. I, I mean, this is bad, right? I mean, I don't I don't know. That there's anything else to be said about it. it. It's it's not good. Well, it's not good, but. I, I do feel like it needs to get it needs to get put into perspective a little bit, right? Like so the really bad thing, the really bad horrible thing would have been if Russia had successfully hacked our voting machines and had actually changed the tally of the vote. Right? That would be awful. That would be bad. Yes. That is not what anyone is saying happened. None of the intelligence agencies believe that the Russian government was actually able to physically hack our voting machines. The Russian government ran a propaganda campaign aided and abetted by the hacking of the DNC and other such things to try and get their preferred candidate elected. Not entirely different from what we do. In a lot of places. You know, I'm just saying. And that's the thing, right? Like, the hacking puts it to a whole new level, right? This does take it to a little bit of a a, a little bit of a new level. Um, And that's not good. And we need to, and and this just reemphasizes the importance of cybersecurity and figuring out how we do this, these sorts of things uh, in the future. But I, I'm sorry. 
they ran they they pushed a propaganda campaign to try and get a candidate that they liked. This is something we've been doing for a century. So while it's sometimes we just shoot them, we don't even bother with the propaganda campaign. Coups, you know. So <laughs> yeah. while yes, it's you know it, you definitely want to raise an eyebrow about okay, well why did Putin like Trump so much? Was it just because he hates Clinton that much? And why did he hate Clinton? Did he hate Clinton because she felt like, you know, he felt like she would thwart his agenda or just because he, he hates her? I, I, you know, I don't really have answers to those questions. Um, but there's a little bit of this that's sort of, well, turnabout's fair play, you know, because uh, we've certainly tried to influence the Soviet Union and Russia, uh, you know, over the years. So... And probably against him more than people realize. Right. Against Putin more than people realize. Yeah. So. Not that we shouldn't, because again, Putin bad. Right. Putin bad. So great. But I, I don't think that this is some massive uncovering of a huge conspiracy that should shock us and appall us on behalf of Trump. What should shock us and appall us on behalf of Trump if once presented with the evidence, he refused to um, acknowledge it or refuse to, you know, say we need to bolster our cybersecurity or, or these sorts of things. And while he hasn't been particularly vocal in his desires for these things to happen, you know, now that he's been briefed by everyone, he is saying, you know, it looks like there may have been uh, some amount of hacking done. Um, so, I'm I, I'm not particularly worked up and outraged about this one. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not either. When I say that it's bad, it's it's bad in the sense in, in the sense that they. What bothers me is that they they felt like they could, obviously, and but at the same time. Okay, there's because I've got like four different things, so I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to sort them out. First of all, I I totally agree. People have got to keep this in perspective. What what would what would have been worse is if they had hacked voting machines. You're right on with that. Things that that bug me about it. One, first of all, obviously the DNC's got to do something about their damn security. That's 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 one. Uh, two. It's not so much. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read you something. It, it's it's this is this was the uh, this was the uh, press statement sent out by President-elect Donald J. Trump. Uh, I love how he puts that at the top of all his press releases. Um, is uh, Okay, so this is the statement. I had a constructive meeting and conversation with the leaders of the intelligence community this afternoon. I have tremendous respect for the work and service done by the men and women of this community to our great nation. While Russia, China, other countries, outside groups, and people are consistently trying to break through the cyber infrastructure of our governmental institutions, businesses, and organizations, including the DNC, there was absolutely no effect on the outcome of this election, yada, 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 yada. Whether it is our government, organization, associations, businesses, we need to aggressively combat, stop cyber attacks, I will appoint a team, blah, 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 within 90 days of taking office. Point is, that statement, for the most part, perfectly legitimate. It's a good statement. It's normal. Yes, I met with the intelligence communities. I'm aware of the problem. I'm not the president yet. I can't do anything. So once I get into president, we're going to do something about it and look into it. And then, so that's the right hand. On the left hand, he's got his phone and he's on freaking Twitter. Throwing out statements like, uh, you know, wanting to investigate NBC for, uh, for uh, getting leaked information from the government, please. Uh, talking, uh, talking crap about the intelligence community. Uh, screaming about the fact that the press is still talking about this. Uh, and effectively trying to discredit the entire thing. So what? I mean, it, it's the Twitter thing that bugs me because he's spent all this time trying to discredit the intelligence community on Twitter, mm -hmm. but then putting out perfectly reasonable statements to the media, mm -hmm. which the media is reporting both. I mean, I didn't have to go digging very far to find the press statement. It was 
listed on CNN. This here's a statement. This is what he said, and then he immediately tweeted out something just innocuous and stupid uh, about how this had no impact on the outcome of the election. It doesn't matter whether or not it had any outcome on the income on the outcome of the election, because one, they didn't actually hack any voting means, as you pointed out, machines, as you pointed out, and two, even if the I mean, a lot of the stuff that that came out about Hillary Clinton through all this. While it wasn't criminal, it wasn't untrue. Mm -hmm. Nobody denied using the using a private email server. I mean, everybody knows she did it. It was just a question of whether or not it was criminal. And so, you know, people were still able to make their own decisions. Trump is the president. He should act like it. Stop with the damn Twitter stuff. No one is trying to say, not, not anywhere have I seen any press reports, even any opinion pieces, even on uh, left-leaning sites saying that this delegitimizes the election. He, frankly, the only person who's talking about this actually having delegitimized the election is him. So shut up. Just stop. Get off Twitter. I'm going to say that a lot tonight. Uh you know, but at the same time, you know, you're right. People need to kind of keep this in perspective. This is not good. And we have got to take a serious look at not just the, uh, you know, the security of, of our own government institutions and everything else, but we've got to take a close look at, uh, at organizations that are not necessarily government, but do government business like the DNC and the RNC. You know, I mean, I don't have anything else to say on it except yes, right? I mean, and and it's gonna yeah, be uh, and it's gonna be tough in the future dealing and figuring out how to deal with the Twitter stuff and how how do we look at this? How do we refrain from normalizing it, right? Because the things that he says on Twitter aren't acceptable, but at the same time, God dang, I'm just gonna get tired of talking about it, you know? So. I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit at a loss as to how exactly I want to handle the whole Twitter stuff moving forward. Do I just want to focus on his actions and ignore the Twitter? Is, are they even worth commenting on? I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, well, because, yes, I think in some cases they are, because, frankly, it's gotten the attention of China. Because China is now commenting and talking shit about his Twitter stuff through their own press arms. Mm -hmm. So that's not, that's not good. The fact, in fact, they called it Twitter diplomacy. I think they may have coined a new phrase. Good job. So yeah, way to go China. And then, but when you go online and you start talking shit to companies that frankly aren't even based in the U S like Toyota, like he was doing the other day, pay big border tax, Trump mad, pay border tax. Uh, I, you know, right. And and I mean, all these are the reasons I didn't want him elected in the first place. Right. I mean, this was what I said from when we talked about what are the things you're concerned about? This is what I was concerned about. So this is what I was concerned about. He's doing exactly the thing I was concerned about. God dang it. I really wish he'd stop. And I'm tired of talking about it. <laughs> you know, so, like, and now uh, I'm burnt out and would like to move on to other topics. And and I and I recognize that that's not a good thing, right? And I, I recognize that I shouldn't want to just move on from this because it is a real thing and it does have an effect. But I don't want to talk about it. I want to talk about this whole budget reconciliation thing. I want to talk about how the whole wall thing is going to go down. I want to, you know, like I, I, I just, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. But the reason that we're not going to be like, I would love to be able to say, we're not going to talk about Trump and his tweeting anymore, but we're going to, it's going to come up again because it's, there's this question of which one is going to set the policy. And right now we don't know. Right. Soon we'll know whether or not Twitter Trump is setting policy or as normal as he gets Trump is setting policy which right now we don't know so anyhow moving on speaking of setting things for the most part the cabinet is set the one thing that happened while we were gone was Rex Tillerson CEO of ExxonMobil was appointed Secretary of State so 
Uh, you go. <laughs> you have different things to say about this than I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this was, I, I think this was one of his best appointments. Uh, you know, he picked a guy who, while he doesn't have uh, government experience, uh, he has ample experience with dealing with other other parts of the world. Uh, ample experience with with getting things done and and how do you negotiate things with with other countries. Um, I like that this person has a good relationship with Russia. As much as I might dislike Putin, Russia is a major power and it would behoove us to be on a good working relationship with them. So I'm, I'm far less annoyed by the way Trump is responding to Russia than I am with the way he's responding to China, right? I will be thrilled for us to have a good working relationship with Russia. So thank you for picking someone who has a good working relationship with Russia. Um, It's almost like we flipped that coin in a way, because like in Obama, I feel like we had somebody who had a pretty good working relationship with China, right? For the last eight years. And aside from the tariff tire thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, But for the most part, they've, I mean, as as well as we're going to get along with China, I kind of felt like we got along with China. And Obama, I don't know that Obama really openly antagonized anybody except maybe Bibi Netanyahu, but he certainly was a bit antagonistic, I think, with with Putin and vice versa. But now it's almost like we flipped that script and we've got somebody who is open, who is openly antagonizing China without a doubt and is cozier with Russia. Sound about right. I think that's a fair statement. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not, the reason that I don't like Tillerson is because I, 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 I have a remarkable distrust for CEOs that run the kind of companies that he's choosing from. I, I feel like in Exxon, you have a company that has, that has proven over the years that they're pretty much willing to do, uh, what every oil and gas company in this country is, has done, which is to sell us out for whatever they want. So, uh, I, 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 I can't support someone like that being the secretary of state. I feel like that's monumentally and, unfair. Like, what is that based on? Well, I mean, I just based on, I'm, I'm sorry. There's no, don't give me this business nonsense about how uh, there's absolutely no correlation between the fact that the minute they deregulated uh, the oil and gas industry, uh, that all of a sudden gas prices shot way the hell up to like four or five bucks a gallon. And now when, when they get down below two bucks a gallon, we'd throw a fucking parade. I mean, there there is absolutely a result in that, and and also just coincidentally, oil and gas profits have been higher than they've ever been uh, in the history of the industry. Uh, just it's all coincidental, though. It really has nothing to do with anybody trying to screw over consumers. Um, so I, uh, I don't I'm buy sorry, that you, line, you and you I never You completely have. lost me. What are you talking about with deregulated and prices shot up and? The, I mean, the price once, of oil went down because um, once the oil and gas, come on, once the oil and gas industry was uh, that once they allowed the price of gasoline to be tied directly to the market instead of being set by set at the government level, all of a sudden gas prices went up and they've never really come down to where they were since they did that. Uh, I, I mean, I, I get, and I in guess that time, you are oil and gas companies make buckets load, bucket loads more money than I do, than they, than not than I do, but I mean, then than they ever did. Their profit margins have been ridiculous, and Exxon was a direct. Uh, they pushed for that. They've been a direct beneficiary of that. Uh, uh, you know, it's like every it's it's like every other corporate welfare thing that's been been pushed, and I just large big business CEOs. I don't trust them. I just don't. Straight out. Um, and Rex Tillerson is one of them, and I don't trust the guy. Uh, so, you know, but prove me wrong. You know, that's perfectly fine with me. Uh, you know, I don't I, I can't comment on what the guy's going to do from a foreign policy standpoint because he doesn't he's never done anything from a foreign policy standpoint. He's never done anything in government before. So we'll see. I hope he knows what he's doing. So, you know, uh, again, prove it to me. Prove me wrong. I'm more than hoping that I'm proven wrong in all this. So, but I know that we have more. The reason this freaks me out more than anything else is that we've put in charge of state, a man who has no experience in state. 
during a time when we are facing a tremendous number of challenges abroad. And we also have a president who is certainly seems to at least about half the time behaves as though he's totally clueless when it comes to foreign affairs. Uh, and I really would have hoped that we would have had a steadier hand on the till than somebody uh, without any actual direct State Department experience. So, well, I have I have every confidence in Rex Tillerson, and uh, I'm very optimistic of the what I think will be a very steady hand at the till. I mean, I wow. one of the most important things that our Secretary of State can do is to help to negotiate. Uh, globalization, free markets, trade deals. And he is very pro all of these things. So I am jazzed to have him there. Yeah, but Trump's not. Well, and that's something that I like. Now, the economist, the economist has been, and I guess this sort of touches on the whole cabinet, thumbs up, thumbs down sort of thing. The economist has been very skeptical of, of the, the variety of voices within his cabinet. But frankly, I like the fact, and I, I'm surprised by everyone who is annoyed by this. I like the fact that he has a wide variety of views in his cabinet. You know, you got, we can talk all we want about, well, he's just got a bunch of old white guys. Okay, yeah, sure. For the most part, he's got a bunch of old white guys. But there is a lot of diversity of opinion amongst those old white guys. And I think that's very Abraham Lincoln-y, voice of, you know, team of rivalries-esque sort of thing. Uh, and I'm excited for the variety of opinions that he will get uh, from which he can then make his own choices. I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I, I mean, I'm with you kind of on the team of rivals thing. I just, you know, a lot of them seem cut from similar cloth is, is the only thing that concerns me is that in a lot of cases you've got, uh, Wall Street CEO types, uh, and a few, uh, and 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 a few also rants. You know, people who frankly couldn't get the time of day in Washington from anybody, at least in some cases, because they're crazy, like Michael Flynn, uh, who all of a sudden they got Trump's ear because they sucked up to him, and now they got jobs. So that concerns me a little bit, but you're right. I mean, but you are correct, and and I th I think that he's got a lot of different people with a lot of that are coming from a lot of different places. You know, I mean, you can look at Jeff Sessions as one. Trump has never, you know, everybody getting all up in arms about Sessions and his, his views on, uh, on marijuana. But, you know, I, ultimately that's going to be Trump's, what he does and doesn't go after is really kind of going to be Trump's decision. And Trump has never really cared about marijuana one way or t'other. So I don't know that Sessions is necessarily going to go on some sort of weed crusade, you know, because, again, they're going to run into the big government argument the second they start doing that. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of X factors in there. A lot of these people probably will get approved. But the thing about cabinets and, and frankly, Trump advisors is that these, these are, this is a fluid process. Cabinets rarely stay the same. Uh, and, uh, you know, people leave all the time and, and do other uh, uh, or get kicked out or whatever, you know, and, and staying in Trump's good graces has never been an easy thing to do. So, you know, we'll see how many of them stick around and what they're able to do. Who knows? We just, the fact is we just don't know. Everybody can get all up in arms and flip out right now. All you want to, but nobody knows exactly how this is going to go down. I think that's very true. So yeah. Anyhow, the Israel thing. Okay. So actually, you know what? I have a larger, I have a larger question. I, I ran across, I wasn't able to read the article because you know, my web browser was being stupid, but I, I ran across a, a headline that, um, it's Obama's graceless exit as though, and, and I, I, I would assume that the point of the article was, and I've, I've read some other places, other people sort of hinting that they were unhappy with some of the things that Obama had done in the last few weeks with pushing the investigation into the hacking and uh, the Israel stuff, which we'll talk about in a minute, as though these are sort of vendettas against, and somebody got upset because he, he had the meeting a few days ago to plan democratic strategy and fighting the repeal of Obamacare. Uh, that these were all signs of sort of, you know, him sticking it to Trump in the end. Uh, and that it was for lack of a better word, graceless. I, I don't know that I see it that way. Do you? 
Um, I mean, I'm not going to say graceless just because, I mean, I have an enormous amount of respect for President Obama. Um, I No, I'm, I'm not going to say graceless. Uh, do I disagree with the Netanyahu thing and the, the, the vote? Yes, absolutely. You know, do I disagree solely because um, he knows that Trump has a different viewpoint? Uh, no, I mean, I, I disagree because I don't think it was the right thing to do. Um, you know, do I, I, the only kind of graceless thing that I've thought I've actually really seen from President Obama, which I feel like was part of the spark for what has appeared to be at least a, some sort of sa- a mild souring of the relationship between Trump and Obama was the, I think I would have won a third term comment. Um, I, I'm glad you think so. I, was it necessary to say that? I, I don't think so. I, I think that was a rare example of a tactless comment from President Obama. Yeah, and I don't think Axelrod should have asked him. I thought that was I thought that was poor form, really. On, on one on Axelrod for asking, and two for him commenting on it. Yeah, I don't I don't think that. Uh, yeah, I don't. I just I don't know. I'm I'm with you on that one, but I don't I I don't know. I I have a hard time. Anybody in the in the heat of the in the heat of moments in 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 the midst of of doing all these interviews that he's been doing lately of kind of getting carried away, especially when he's talking to a friend of his like David Axelrod. It's I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'm going to give him a pass on it, but I do think you're right. So let's talk about the Israel thing because uh, this I mean this is li- largely blown over. I haven't read much about it really since Christmas, um, but. There was just before Christmas, there was the Kerry uh, gave the speech about, you know, the sort of this being the last the last gasp of the two state solution. You had the the U.N. thing where we we didn't the U.N. wanted to sanction Israel and we abstained, refused to veto it, didn't vote on it. It passed it. What was it? 18 nothing. Yeah, uh, fourteen nothing, I think. But yeah, fourteen nothing or something. And we usually veto these kind of things, and we don't. This was really just a slap on the wrist from the UN about uh, the settlements in the West Bank and all this other mess um, uh, that has been controversial for years. Uh, so I, I look, I I can't stand Bibi Netanyahu. I think the man is a political whore and an absolute horrible individual, and I I think he does a great disservice to Israel. Uh, I I tire of the act from the Israelis. The oh, how dare you not allow us to do whatever the hell we want to? I've been tired of it for years. Frankly, Obama's policy on Israel has never really bothered me all that much. Uh, so, uh, you know, because honestly, this, this wasn't like, it's not like they sang, it's not like they, it's not like anybody's withholding anything from Israel. And I've always felt like Israel used us as an excuse to be able to do whatever they wanted to. And it seems like they, they've managed to piss off the entire world because everyone voted yes on this. And in all technicalities, based on the agreements laid out after the six day war, the settlements that they do in the West Bank actually do violate international law. Nobody does anything about it, but they're not technically legal. They're just allowed to get away with it because, you know, they're Israel. I, I don't know. I I know I'm in the minority here, but I, what, what, what do you got? Well, I, I mean, I guess I want to preface it with saying that I, I agree with uh, that I have also had some annoyance with Israel's attitude towards the United States. Uh, I, I've been annoyed by the fact that sometimes it seems like we ask them to do something and they clearly do the opposite and that the settlements were a part of that. Um, I I think that it's kind of a misnomer. I, I, Obama has been less willing to just let Israel do whatever they want. He hasn't just backed them nonstop. But at the same time, he hasn't not been a friend to Israel. I mean, he's approved the largest military aid package in history uh, to Israel. So he's hardly pulling his support. All that said, I do tend to agree a little bit with Israel with the fact that they get hated on a lot. Um, you know, you, you put the things that Israel has done in perspective 
And the idea that the UN is coming after them so hard when you've got Russia doing wretched things, Egypt doing wretched things, all of these countries who voted against Egypt doing these wretched, you know, and so these countries that are doing gross human rights violations are giving this slap on a wrist to Israel. Really? Really? Um, and so considering that we, we pushed, pushed forth the Iran deal, um, in, which I agree with, in direct opposition to Israel, right? Israel was very clear that they did not want this. Uh, the least we could have done was maintain um, and, and vetoed this, this resolution. I, I, I think that would have been the right thing to do, to, to veto this. Um, because in the end, our number one ally in the Middle East is Israel. This is the number one for us. They, we have the most common, we have the most in common from a value standpoint, an ethics standpoint, uh, just the way we view the world standpoint. Israel is number one for us. So we, we really should have, we should have backed them. Uh, even though you're right, I, I agree. The settlement thing is wrong. They shouldn't be doing this. We've asked them not to, all those things. Yes, but this was unnecessary. So, but what, this was just a sanction, right? It was, it was, it, this was no, no bad dog out of the UN, right? I mean, right. Now, does it, it, set it doesn't the, actually do anything. It, it on its own doesn't actually do anything, but it does set the stage for other countries to use this an excuse, as an excuse to do their own economic sanctions of Israel. Well, but will they? Because this all went down. This is not the first. Everybody was acting like, oh, my God, this is such a precedent. It's never, ever happened before. It's happened before. It happened a lot back in the 70s. It hasn't happened in a long time, but it has happened before. It's not like this was new. Well, I guess so, I don't. I guess I don't know my history well enough. My understanding was that the U.S. had always consistently blocked any form of sanctions against, or or slaps on the wrist against Israel. So no, perhaps maybe not in the seventies we didn't. Is that? Yeah, in the early days. Okay, so but um, I mean, forty yeah. years is a pretty long time. That's a pretty solid precedent. Um, so I I I would say that this is that this this was a big deal. I don't think there's any getting around that one. No, I'm uh, not saying it wasn't a big deal. I just, you know. And, and for me, in the end, ahead. it's the ample amount of hypocrisy. We're siding with with Russia and Egypt, two major human rights violators, in order to sanction Israel, who is one of our most steadfast allies. That's not very, you know, we, we give Trump all this flack for not supporting his allies. All right, well, come on. Let, let's support our ally here. Well, I suppose that's not very neighborly. All right, fine. I still don't like Netanyahu. Nobody does. I don't like Netanyahu <laughs> either. Well, apparently a lot of Israelis do. So. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so a lot of the a lot of the Republican response to this has been typically outraged, you know, because again it involved Obama and, and we don't do anything else but get outraged when the man blinks. Um, but you know, uh, just uh, Lindsey Graham, like now that now the Republicans want to sanction the UN, Lindsey Graham suggested getting out of the UN entirely. Trump has suggested things along those lines retaliating against the UN again for, for this sort of thing. Uh, honestly, if there's any outcome to all of this that really bothers me, that's actually it because now it's like it's, it's, and, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but now it's like, because, because liberals did something that Republicans didn't like the Republican response now is to just completely tear out the system. Well, we don't like that. So we're just going to rip it completely to shreds. And this is another example of that. I feel like, I mean, but surely to God, they won't go through with any of this. Will they? Well, I would hope not because in the end, the UN is a good for America, right? I mean, I mean that, and that's just the way it is. So the, the UN is one of the primary supporters and, and reasons for the, the world order that we have. Uh, and yes, we, we pay a lot for the UN, Right. I mean, we pay a quarter of its operating budget. So that's that's a nice chunk of change. 
Um, and so I can see where people might get annoyed when they do what we don't like, but at the same time, Hey, sometimes they're going to, and this, this is not huge, right? I mean, it is huge. It's a big deal, but this isn't worth saying, Oh, well, we're just going to take our, take all our chips and go home. Uh, so I, I hope that we would not do anything that foolish. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, but it's hard to say. I, you know, again, we, we just, you know, this is, it comes back to what I've been saying all night, which is that, you know, nobody really knows exactly how this is going to shake out, but, uh, you know, that certainly seems to certainly been some moves in, in that direction and other, in other areas. So anyhow, moving on round of applause. Who you got? Uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll give my, my round of applause to, to Paul Ryan. Um, I think that he is proving to be a voice of reason with some of the, all the talk about healthcare and budget reconciliation and how to go about this and how to do things. And he has been very steadfast in saying that we can't pull the rug out from anybody. We have to replace Obamacare when we repeal it. Um, and I think that we, we need that voice uh, because I, while I, man, I hope there's, there's no way we would actually do. And I don't, I really don't feel like a lot of people are saying this. Like, I think, I feel like there's a lot of talk in the media of, Oh, the Republicans could do this budget reconciliation to defund these two parts and boom, you know, blow up the whole thing. I, I don't really actually hear a lot of people saying that's what we're going to do. Uh, but nonetheless, I like that. I, I am glad that Obama or, Paul Ryan is there saying that we have to replace as we do it. I kind of feel like I've seen McConnell and a few other people actually say that they wanted to use budget reconciliation. Right. They want to use fact, budget re- reconciliation. In fact, using, in fact, Ryan was the one that actually, that I th- as I recall, Ryan was the one that suggested it in the first place. Right. And well, absolutely. Use budget reconciliation. The Democrats used it in 2010 to get Obamacare passed. So, or the final parts of it passed. So yes, I mean, all this is doing is getting around this, what I think is the ridiculous idea that suddenly in order to pass anything, you have to have a supermajority in the Senate, right? You have to have filibuster proof, which which I feel is ridiculous, right? The filib- I do too. The filibuster, I, I absolutely want that to go away. Absolutely, Definitely. right? The filibuster yeah. is supposed to only be used, that is your nuclear option, right? And it should be used sparingly. And somehow it has become the law, the rule that you have to have at least a supermajority to pass anything. That's ridiculous. So good on the Democrats back in 2010 using reconciliation to actually be able to pass laws with a simple majority, which is the way it's supposed to generally be. Great. Now we're going to do it. Awesome. Uh, But I don't think I really hear anyone saying we're going to use this to defund Obamacare let it explode and then replace it. I don't actually hear Republicans say it. Most of from most of the Republicans that I hear talking, it's that we can't we can't do that. We have to have the replacement ready. And I know that's what Paul Ryan is saying. Well, and that that's that seems to me to be the direction that they're headed, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 that again, that's okay. You know what? And Obama came out and said that today. He actually said in an interview, look, I'll be the first one to say if they can replace it with something better, then go ahead and replace it. That's what he said. And I, I have no problem with this. But I, and I guarantee you, there are tens of millions of people out there that do not want it completely repealed. And if they think they want it completely repealed, they're going to find out pretty quickly that they don't. A great example was that piece that CNN did not that long ago on uh, talking to talking to coal mining families in Eastern Kentucky, that there are direct benefits to black lung, uh, black lung families that have had people suffering from black lung and funding for those programs to make sure that those people are getting taken care of that is built into the ACA. And if they repeal that, then those families lose that funding. They didn't know that until CNN went down and talked to him about it. And now there are a lot of people going, whoa, 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 hold on. That goes away? Well, that's nobody told us that. So, you know, 
unfortunately, that's been where the Democrats failed to educate people on the law when it got passed. And it's where the Republican propaganda machine won that battle. But now if they're going to repeal it, then they got to come up with something else. You know, and if they don't, it's terribly irresponsible and it will backfire on them in a few years. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I, I feel like it would backfire horribly. I mean, because it's like you said, a lot of people maybe don't realize what a full-on repeal of the ACA will entail. And if they just start yanking things out and everyone starts starts losing their health care, um, then that you know screen, that facade that they've created is going to disappear real quick. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like any number of those like street level interviews that I've seen. I've, I've seen dozens of them over over the years since since the ACA was passed. Of people say you go down and give people options A, B, C, D, and E about your health care, and do you like these things? And everybody goes, "Oh yeah." So I like each one of those things individually, and they're all things that are taken care of by the ACA. Mm-hmm. But then you ask them, "Would you like to repeal Obamacare?" And they go, "Yes, I want to repeal Obamacare." <laughs> So, you know, again, I, I don't blame those people individually for it. And I don't blame Republicans because Republicans won the propaganda war. I blame Democrats for being idiot enough not to go on the ground and talk to people. Well, and I'm sorry, I, I, I do blame the electorate. I, I do blame the, the ignorance of the electorate for a lot of the, the things that are coming about. Uh, and, and that's on both sides, right? Like, I I think it was Jimmy Kimmel, and it's absolutely hysterical. They went through and they did street interviews uh, in New York City. And they asked people, they said, did you know? But they said it very positively, right? They're like, what do you what do you think about premiums under health care uh, doubling under Obama? Pretty awesome, huh? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, how high do you think the premium should go? Oh, man, triple them, quadruple them, you know, because they, they had no idea what they were talking about. They didn't understand what a premium was. Oh, my God. You know, and so no, I, I absolutely, you know, and we can talk about fake news being the responsibility of, of Facebook and the fault of, you know what? It's the fault of the people not educating themselves. Yeah, well, it's hard to argue that point. I don't know. So... Anyhow, well, my round of applause goes to Carrie Fisher. Amen. Uh, who I, you know, it was just such a great voice uh, beyond anything uh, that happened with Star Wars uh, and beyond what and most of us had any right to expect. And, uh, you know, for people that struggle with uh, alcoholism and mental disease, uh, she was a real treasure. And, uh, you know, she is going to be sorely, sorely missed. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I have anything else to say about it, but for a, a life well lived, uh, you know, uh, particularly as she, uh, was able to successfully or as, as successfully as you ever are able to, to struggle with those, uh, with those kind of addictions. Uh, yeah, just, I, we're, you know, I, I think we all, should be very proud of her and, and we're, we're going to miss her. Yeah. I, she just always seemed like such a, a wonderful person, a wonderful lady. And I, I, I regret not knowing more about her, uh, but uh, she certainly will be missed. Yeah. I think down the line, uh, I'd, I'd like to read more of her stuff. I think right now, yeah. right now, some of it I'd is like a little, to read a biography uh, or something at some point. Yeah. Well, some of her own writings, you know, I, I, I need, I'd like to read more of them. I've read some of them, but I'd like to read more. Mark Hamill actually wrote a really sort of, uh, a really great piece for the Hollywood. I think it was for the Hollywood reporter or vanity fair. One of the two about her that was really, uh, really sort of heartwarming, uh, about just how much he loved her. So, you know, it was, uh, it's just a, it's a, it's a tough loss. So last year, just fuck last year. God, I know everyone's tired of hearing that, but for heaven's sakes, good Lord. And then right at the end, right at the very end, we've already been through this entire terrible year. And then literally an hour and a half before midnight on New Year's Eve, I've been sick for days and George Michael died and Carrie Fisher died and everybody died in 2016. And then right at the end, Father Mulcahy 
Really, 2016, you had to take Father Mulcahy from MASH just to top it all off. Oh, jeez, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Butthole. Well, I mean, he was older. He, he, was, he, was in his, he was in his 80s. He hung in there. But, you know, uh, still, God, that's just dirty pool. Anyway, all right, moving on from depressing stuff. We're gonna, we, got, we got lots of state doings going on. We got some shenanigans here in North Carolina. Kentucky's got interesting things going on. So we'll, we'll, we'll start here in North Carolina. So uh, the, while we were away, the whole governor's thing got taken care of, right? So uh, Pat McCrory uh, conceded. Roy Cooper, the Democrat, is going to be governor. Again, I don't know that he's much better, but he's not Pat McCrory, so I'm okay with that. So uh, in, 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 in a response to that, the Republican House and Senate called an emergency session to start passing bills, because that's how we do things in North Carolina. We call emergency sessions to start passing bills. Uh, witness the rousing success that was HP2. Uh, and in this emergency session... They effectively threw a bunch of legislative measures, went through and just absolutely cut the power of the governorship down about as far as they could. They tried to abolish the state electoral board. Uh, they tried to uh, they reduced the total number of appointments that the governor's office has from fifteen hundred down to three hundred, uh, which reversed them expanding it uh, for their governor, Pat McCrory. Uh, and then they tried to shift the power away from the North Carolina Supreme Court, coincidentally controlled by liberals, uh, to a 15-member court of appeals that now has a Republican majority. So basically, the legislature is realizing that in realizing that they lost an election, they went in and tried to shift the balance of power all over the place so that it's away from uh, the people who won a few elections. Uh, naturally, there are a lot of people that are not happy about that, and the stopping of the the uh, the uh, disbanding of the state board of elections uh, was has already been blocked by at least one court. So, yeah, I don't know. You got any thoughts on this? Again, this feels like more Republicans. Well, we lost, so now we got to change the rules. Yeah, I mean, it's just shameful. Um, I mean, there, there's not really another word for it. And, uh, and it, it frustrates me knowing that on top of the wrongness of all the things that we did, of trying to curb this person's power as much as we could, um, on top of that, we did it through an emergency session, which cost the taxpayers extra money. So here we are, the government, the, the party of small government, the party of cutting back on spending, the party of saving money, and we call it emergency session in order to curb the power of future governments. I mean, that's uh, that's hypocrisy at its finest. Yeah. No, not quite at its finest because I feel like Mitch McConnell really managed to do hypocrisy at its finest when he talked about how it would be shameful for the Democrats to block the uh, appointment of a Supreme Court nominee by Trump. That was hypocrisy yes. at its finest. <laughs> this is like a close second. Uh, other interesting things going on. And again, while we're talking about the, the party party of, of small government, uh, the uh, now you have Republican legislatures just in the last month, legislatures in Wisconsin, Michigan and Wisconsin and Michigan, Wisconsin and Michigan, sorry, uh, passed have passed laws uh, preempting local governments uh, from banning plastic grocery bags. Uh, they've upheld rights of Colorado and Texas legislatures to prevent municipalities from banning hydraulic fracking. Uh, and Ohio uh, is trying to preempt local efforts to raise the minimum wage uh, after Cleveland tried to boost its minimum wage uh, for lower paid workers. So basically the gist is that you've got a whole bunch of local laws being passed in municipalities and then state legislatures trying to pass what are called preemptive laws to stop local municipalities from passing laws on everything from minimum wage to environmental protections uh, to smoking bans and, and local gun control. So 
it 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 has this aura of of and and it's not un, it's not unlike what happened here in North Carolina with Charlotte where you had the the one non-discrimination ban and then with HP2 they tried to say well you can't ban non you can't ban non-discrimination banning non-discrimination bans so it has this air of like Republicans teaching all the big city liberals, you know, putting them in their place. You know what I'm saying? And it and it, it go to me, it goes against the whole big government issue because the big government issue is that the argue a whole argument for big government is that government should work locally first, and then at the state level, and then at the federal level as a last resort, not the other way around. And the whole argument for Republicans the whole time is that Democrats get it wrong; they get it backwards, but. Now it seems like Republicans are really confused. Yeah, apparently we are confused. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's rich for Democrats to get annoyed at a you know state government dictating the way things should, should be done because Democrats tend to be the ones who are more big government and that sort of thing. It's just that they happen to disagree with what these state governments are doing. Uh, if they agreed, then they would be thrilled. Um, but all that to the side, you're right. If a city of a city council decides that they want to do something and then their city, uh, then there's no reason for them not to, unless this is in direct violation of state laws or federal laws. So, but out, uh, you know, the only, you know, maybe with all the minimum wage stuff, you know, you, you can make arguments about um, that, you know, if that city is going to be damaging its economy, then the state has a right to say something because that city, especially if it's a major city, is a driver for the overall state's economy. But I think that's a pretty flimsy line for taking away a city's rights. To self-government. Yeah, and it and and what what bugs me is that you know there's been all sorts of ridiculous local ordinances on the books for years. I think it's, uh, there was one city with like that actually had a still had a law on the books about where you could where you could tie up your horse and buggy. Uh, and somewhere in there, there was there was a there was a city I think it was in Washington State where you couldn't actually be eating an ice cream cone on a public street. You had to be on the sidewalk. Or something ridiculous like that. I mean, you know, and uh, it, and that's, I mean, that's sort of the extreme of it. But, you know, in local areas, if they want to pass their own environmental protection, their own environmental protection laws based on what they feel like is best for their community, then they should absolutely be allowed to do that. And the idea that Republicans would get in the way just bugs me no end, you know, effectively because they don't like, they think cities, they see cities as being elitist. Uh, it's almost like it's just a revenge tactic and there's no real point behind it. It annoys the hell out of me. But you're right in the sense of, in that one sense, if like a larger city maybe, you know, has a massive impact on state budgets or funds, I guess maybe I could see my way to that argument. I might not agree with it, but I, I, I could probably see my way there. The rest of this, I can't. So uh, it just seems like petty, more petty crap. Um so in Kentucky, we've got the Republicans in control of Congress for the first time. And what was it in the twenties last time, or was it in the forties? It's been a, a while. long, dang long time, long time since the Republicans have controlled both houses of Congress in uh, in the state of Kentucky. So you've got again a completely Republican uh, uh, government off being allowed to do its thing. Uh, uh, but the, now the first thing, and this is the, the what's really significant about this is. You're going to have a lot of the more more of the back and forth, and they're about they are about to pass a again. And there's another special session going on, an emergency legislative session going on right now this weekend in Kentucky over all this because we got to pass this stuff right now. Really important to get it out of the way before we have control of everything for the next two years. Makes perfect sense. Um, Wait, so they called another? They called a special assembly to do this right right to work stuff. Yes, they did. Right to work, five week abortion ban, five month abortion limit, uh, wow, bunch of other stuff. I'll go again. Yeah, small government, right? Um, more importantly, right to work. Kentucky will be the last because I don't want to get into the the abortion thing. We've fought that battle, but uh, the right to work stuff. So, 
Kentucky will effectively be the last, quote, southern state. I still don't believe Kentucky is a southern state, but that's the Kentucky in me coming out. Uh, the Kentucky will, by some standards, be the last can, southern state, quote, unquote, southern state, to be to go right to work. Okay. The effects of right to work to me, I think, are disputable. But I think one of the things, at least I've, I've read at least in three different studies that in no case, you could argue that maybe it brings more businesses, but in, in every case, the average wage in those states went down after right to work laws were passed. So I think the success of this whole right to work, which the whole right to work thing is an absolute misnomer. That is just the crappiest way to put it. Cause it's, it's, that's stupid. Uh, but that's what these things are called. The gist of it is that they, 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 they make it illegal for unions to require you to join them. Right. That's the deal. And so it's, it's affected. They're effectively union breaking. Um, but the overall benefits of it to workers, which is how these are always passed, Republicans always come in and say, oh, this is going to benefit workers. It doesn't seem like it does. Thoughts? Well, in the end, for me, it's the principle of the matter. Um, if unions want to make their argument and want to inspire their workers to join them, then great. Inspire workers to join you. But the idea that in order for me to work at Kroger, I have to join your union, bugger off. Like, I'm sorry. I, I, I stand by the idea. I mean, forget all the stuff about whether it's right to work or not. Does it help wages? Does it not help wages? What it, for me, it's just a principle of, of personal rights. You know, uh, the idea that in order to work at this place or that place, I mandate it is mandatory that I join your union. Well, that, to me, that seems a little ridiculous. Well, I mean, and I and I tend to I, okay, I tend to. That's why I get torn on this because I tend to agree on one hand, but these kinds of laws usually tend to be a precursor to other union breaking laws, like for example, effectively ban Scott Walker effectively banning unions for state employees in Wisconsin. Um, these are all ways for corporations to get around having to give their workforce any rights at all. Um, or, and not just any rights, but more importantly, power. And I'm not denying that unions overplayed their hand. Of course they've overplayed their hand, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that they didn't serve a purpose. Look, I'm pro union. Unions are great. Union served a, a vital purpose in our country. Wonderful. Fantastic. Um, and if these things turn into a slippery slope, uh, then you're um, where, where you're starting to ban uh, unions outright, then that's no good. And you, you can't you and you can't and you should you should not ban unions outright. And as much as I feel like some of the state government unions have gotten out of control, the teachers union in particular, um, they still have the right to unionize. But do they have the right to force other people to be in their union? That, no, I cannot subscribe to that. I Again, I, I, I can't entirely subscribe to that either. I mean, that that angle of it, I I do understand. You know, is that how it works? If you're a teacher in the state of Kentucky, are you automatically a part of that teacher's union and you have to support this? Is that part of it? Do you know? No, I have no idea right. whether or not they have to pay union dues or not. Yeah. See, that's that's the sort of thing that, that drives me nuts. And all the other stuff for me is uh, secondary. Uh, in the end, it's a matter of that union should not have the right to, to dictate to someone else that they have to join their union. I don't like that. And I, and I don't support it. Well, I mean, the problem, the problem to me comes down to, and, and some of this comes down to personal experience. I'm being told over and over again that unions are this terrible thing and we must work to control, get all these unions under control. You know what? I've, I've been working for 20 years and I have never once been invited to join a union. It has never happened. I've never even, 
I think I put in a, an application to Kroger when I was 16. And that's the closest I've ever gotten to a union. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have, however, been treated by absolute dog shit by a num- large number of employees or employers. And quite a few of them were major corporations. So, and with absolute, and, and had it made clear to me very, very clear to me that I had really no recourse whatsoever uh, to being treated that way and seeing the people that I worked with treated, you know, treated poorly as well. So, uh, you know, I I am appreciative of both sides, and I find myself torn in most cases. But you know, the the numbers don't lie to a certain extent. You know that right to work does not help. It's it's pretty well proven that they do. It does not help wages in the individual states the way that Republicans usually say they do. They just don't. I mean, there's there's no and there's no numbers to really back up the idea that they do. Well, and if any Republican is trying to say that getting right to work laws will actually increase wages, to me that that seems like a ridiculous argument. There's no reason for that to help wages. Um, but I, I mean, I've said my point a thousand times. So yeah. So moving on. Anyhow, actually, not even moving on. We are going to wrap up the show tonight with predictions. For 2017, I'm just going to throw it, chuck a list of them out there. You tell me what you you tell me what you think. Ready? All right. So first of all, year end approval rating for for President Donald Trump. Right now, he's sitting right around a healthy 36 percent. Uh, for comparison, Obama was pushing 60 when he got inaugurated, but we won't talk about that. So right now, he's at 36 percent. Where where does he go? Does he up? Does he go down? Stay the same? Tell he me. goes up. How much? What do you 45%. think? 45 percent. Get to 50. 45%. Some people just won't ever like Trump no matter what he does, but he's going to get in there and despite his twittering, they are going to pass effective legislature uh, to aid the American people. I, I'm I, he's got nowhere to go but up, so I think he's going to he's going to go up some, but I think low 40s, 41, 42 at best. That's 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 my guess. So, yay or nay, Obamacare repealed by the end of the year. <laughs> Oh, by the end of the year, by the end of 2017, yay, Obamacare will be repealed and replaced. No, I'm going to go with no. Okay. I don't, I genuinely don't think they'll pull it off. I really don't. I think they're going to get in there and they're going to, and they'll wuss out. I think they're going to find some way of weaseling out of, of repealing the entire thing. Now, I think they may change it majorly, but an absolute 100% and they may try to spin it as a repeal. But I don't think that there will ever be an actual act repealing the Affordable Care Act completely. No, I don't. I, I don't buy it. I think the, I think they'll I think they'll weasel out of it. Uh, who's going to win the World Series this year? Cubs repeat, of course. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think I, I, th- I think we got this. I definitely think we got this. NCAA basketball tournament. UK. Duh. Really? Yeah. How's this even a debate? We're a young team, as always, but we're getting our stuff together. We've had some fantastic games. Every game that we've played against a major contender, we either won or it's been a good game. So, yeah, I think by the time tournament time rolls around, boom. C-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats. Nah, I think we go to the Final Four. I don't I don't think we're going to win it. I think we're going to – honestly, I, I think I think Villanova is going to win it again. Nova's going to repeat. Nobody sees them coming. Nobody's paying any attention. No one to sees them coming. They're ranked they, number one. N- yeah, but nobody talks about them. Everybody talks about Duke. They talk about Kentucky. They're starting to talk about UCLA, and they're not talking about North Carolina anymore because North Carolina's pants. But no, uh, I'm telling you, every nobody's nobody's giving Nova love. Nova knows that. You watch. I bet you they come back and they come out and win it. Now it may be us against them in the in the finals, but I would bet Nova wins. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know. Episode eight comes out in December. Is it better than episode seven? And where do you think it comes down? Do you think it will come out better than any of the original trilogy? Uh, I, th- I think they continue to improve and it's better than, than episode seven. Um, I, I don't like comparisons to the original series. Um, Cause I mean, there's just, they're, they're in a different league and it's, there's too much nostalgia and, and, and the, the technology for making movies is too different. Um, so I, I, I don't think you can ever make really fair comparisons between the two. That's a fair point, I guess. 
Yeah, I don't know, but I, I, the, there's the, there's the guy, there's the guy, and there's the, there's the film student in me that tries to look objectively at, at, at them one way or t'other. I think it's going to be better than seven. I think it's going to be better than F seven, and I would dare say that I, I would bet you anything. I come out of it liking it better than I like Jedi. You're not going to top Star Wars and Empire. That's just not going to happen. But uh, I would, I would bet it's, it's, it's up there. I, I have, I have hopes for this one, but we'll see. Do you have anything you'd like predicted? Obama becomes a member of the Supreme Court. Yeah or nay? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The hell with it. I'm just going to say yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Trump shocks the world. Shocks the world. Nominates President Obama. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Can you just... just uh, to be a fly on the wall in McConnell's office. <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right. Well, that's all we got. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited to be back and we're looking forward to looking forward to a really great year. Tell all your friends about us. Cause this is, this is the, this is the year we take over the world. Uh, yeah. Have you anything else to add? No, sir. All right. That's all we got. Check us out on Twitter. I'm at Libcon. Matt Tim's at Libcon. Tim come back and see us next week. Take care. Thank you.